Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Amen. Well, if you turn in your Bibles this morning with me to Acts chapter 27, Acts 27. Before I start to read this, we're going to pick up in verse 13. Uh, it's quite a big section of text that I would read if I was telling you everything, but I tried to reduce the amount of the story if I can. So I'm going to pick up this morning before we begin to give you a bit of a summary as to what this story is about. And many of you have heard of Apostle Paul um, in the Bible and in Acts chapter 27 as Acts has come into a close. Paul here uh, is about to, he's just uh, been in Caesarea in Israel, and he's just about to be tried. He's been sent from person to person in uh, the rulers and authorities to be uh, tried and and, and asked and questioned about his faith, and he responds to the particular people, Festus, uh, Felix, and Agrippa, King Agrippa comes, and it gets to this climax where Paul, he, he wants to appeal to Caesar in Rome, so he wants to go to Rome to appeal there, and it gets to this climax where eventually he gets what he wants and uh, at the time they release him and say, we're going to put you on a ship and we're going to send you from here, from his room, we're going to send you up to go to Rome. I think it's in Acts chapter 23 verse 11. Paul receives from God uh, through a, a message from God as to say, you will go to Rome. So in Acts chapter 23, 11, he knows God's already spoken to him that he will go to Rome. So when he stood before these authorities and they're questioning him and they're saying things like, we're going to try you here and we're going to, we want to challenge you here. People want to put him to death. At one point, it says that the authorities had to pull him away because they thought he was going to be torn to pieces. So right now he's appealing, saying, I want to go to Rome. He's got a prophecy in from, direct from God in Acts chapter 23, 11, that's saying, you will go to Rome. Don't worry, you're going to go. So right here and then he's thinking, I'm going to appeal, I want to see Caesar. I want to see the top man. And I want to go and see and tell him my story and my reasons. And he gets on this ship. How I many of you know, if you look at Paul in the Bible, you'll find that he's his journeys on ships ain't too good. He has quite a few shipwrecks, doesn't he? And I know that I won't want to travel with him uh, if he's like this. He, he, he tends to find himself in sticky situations. So he's not the best person to travel with. But Paul sets off on this trip, on this ship, with many other prisoners and sailors and particular people, Julius, who's, who's taking care of him. And they set off on this trip to Rome. It's a big trip. We're going to pick up right now in verse 13 of Acts chapter 27 when this moment that things start to go a little bit, as we say in this country, a bit pear-shaped and a little bit things go not so well because the storm begins to come. Verse 13, it says, when a gentle, that doesn't sound too bad, does it? When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, it changes. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster. It's even got a name. 
the northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Verse 16, as we passed to the lee of a small island called Cowder, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Citrus, Certis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Verse 18, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Verse 21, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Verse 23, last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith, says Paul in God, that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, say nevertheless, We must run aground on some island. Say some island. Sounding good this morning. Skip to verse 39. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land. But they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea. And at the same time, tied up. Time untied the ropes that had held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. And then in chapter 28, verse 1, the very first verse, it says this. Once safely ashore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The The islanders showed us unusual kindness. I want to just mention here, if you notice, first of all, just a brief summary of this story. Sorry for the long introduction of the text, but I want to, I think it's important that we read this and capture what is happening here. There's so much more in in this story. Read it when you get home, maybe. But what is happening is Paul sets off and all of a sudden it says this gentle wind comes and then Later on, not much after, this northeast, this violent hurricane comes and begins to batter the boat. And right there and then in the middle of this ocean, when the sea and the the storm that comes batters this boat, they find themselves where they're in a place where they're trying to tackle the storm. Now remember I said in Acts chapter 23 verse 11, uh, Paul's already been told he's going to roam. He's probably wondering now, did God get it wrong? Has God got this wrong? 
Did a prophet get it wrong for you when they spoke a word over you, what they said was going to happen, and you find yourself right in the middle of this storm, and you think everything was going well, a gentle wind was there, I could take it, but right now in my life, I'm finding that the storm is so violent that I would question Acts chapter 23, 11. I would question whether I'm ever going to get to Rome. This doesn't seem possible. In fact, it seems quite the opposite. And you in your life may be just feeling like that today. That you were in this storm of life. You feel that things have got so bad that you would question the things that have been said over your life. The things that God has said he's going to do in your life. The destination which you believe you're going to get to. And now you find yourself that you are struggling to believe anymore. I really believe God wants to speak to someone today. God, I believe, gave me this message this week and it's been on me all week to preach to you this message. I believe he wants to encourage you today. I believe also that the, the worship, If I'm, I'm very conscious of the words that are sung on Sunday morning. And where God is speaking through worship. And I know that what the words that have been sung this morning are very much in line again with what, we're, what we, I'm going to be speaking on. I want to encourage you, God's spirit is here today. And he wants to speak into hearts. The very first song we sung today was, look how he lifted me. Look how he lifted me. In fact, we'll sing that at the end. Look how he lifted me. Look how he lifted me. Some of us today would need lifting up again. Some of us today feel that we are so beaten by life storms that we need to be lifted. There's only one who can do it, and that is, that is Jesus himself. By his spirit, he's the only one. Not my words, nothing fancy, but Jesus himself. Eventually, they make it to Rome. You read the story, they get there. But on that way, there are delays that take place that in order for them to get to their destination. There are delays that cause them to not get there in the time that they think they should. How many of you this morning sometimes are discouraged because the time that you think you should be reaching a destination does not occur in the time that you thought it would? I believe God wants to speak to you today and say to you, listen, be encouraged, there will be delays. There will be delays. I don't know about you, but I love when I watch on the title of my message today, by the way, is, there it is, Delayed Reaction. Delayed reaction. I don't know about you, but when we travelled recently, we went on holiday and we 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 went in the airports. We we don't travel much, but the times that we've been in airports, we've been on particular holidays where you get in airports and you you look at these places. I mean, there were there was a program the other night talking about Heathrow Airport, this the big one of the biggest airports in the world. He's seen so many flights come through and these new terminals that they build that cost billions or I don't know millions of pounds of luxury. They've got the duty free sections. They've got everything that you need in these lounges. And isn't it crazy that when people are delayed, when they see the delayed sign comes up and it says flight A63, which is your flight, is delayed and you don't know why and then it says two hours and three hours and you're thinking why and then there's chaos in the airport and the people are trying to manage the people and it's crazy because even when they're in an airport that cost billions of pounds to put together and all of the luxuries that are around them duty free coming out of their ears they still are disappointed because they're not in territory that they know. They're not at the destination, and then neither are they at home sat in front of their TV. 
Even with all of the luxuries, they're in a foreign place. They're in a place where they feel they shouldn't be. And no matter how comfy the chairs are, people get discouraged. People get angry. People start to get angry with the people in the queues and the people trying to run the airports. I feel sorry for them. I really do. I am. I, I just can't believe how they can manage so many people. I, I, I watched one the other night and he was. He, he just said, I've had enough. And he went and grabbed the things that we've got at the bottom of the stairs, the ribbon things that, that go across. He grabbed those and he was just putting them out, trying to direct people into a line. He said, this will sort it out. And I thought, I hope it is. Because you, mate, you've got a big problem. This flight's delayed. I wouldn't like to be in your job right now. And it's funny because even in this luxury, even in these times when we feel that it might be, the foreign place might be quite luxurious, it might be a good place to be, even in those times because you're not at your destination that God spoke to you, and because you're not at home in that place where you're familiar with, you find yourself discouraged, disappointed, angry. None of us like delays. None of us like Delays, we all want it in our time. But let's, let me tell you this this morning. I believe that this scripture, and I'm going to bring some points out now, will help you to see of how we can react to delays. How do you react to delays? How did Paul react when he was, he got the prophecy? He had received it from God. How did he respond? And I believe God wants to encourage people this morning to respond in a completely different way to what the enemy wants you to respond like. Number one today, don't lose hope. Do not lose hope. Acts 27 and verse 18 and 19, he says this, the author writes, We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Listen to me. They took such a violent battering, it says. I believe there's people here today, maybe you're feeling like you in the storm of life, that things have happened, circumstances have happened so much, so that you feel like you've took a violent battering. You feel like you have took, you cannot take any more. Things, circumstances, people, things in your life have so hit you so hard that you feel like you cannot carry on. And you feel like you're weak. Your stamina's gone. Your perseverance is gone. And you feel like you cannot even take another step anymore. You're tired and exhausted. They took such a violent battering on this boat that they felt like they couldn't move on. And I want to encourage you today that God does not want you to feel weak. He doesn't want you to feel low. He doesn't want you to feel depressed. He doesn't want you to feel battered by the storm. No matter whether it's got a name or not, whether it's called Northeaster or whatever it's called today, He says, I want to give you the stamina to stand up and move on. Let me say, your joy and your future destiny has been beaten out of you. You feel like it's been beaten out of the very life. And you feel like this joy, this destiny, this hope has gone. And you feel like there is nothing left to live for. It's been beaten out of you. They took this violent battering. I can see them now clinging onto the ship. Looking at Paul, Paul who trusts God, many prisoners on there, no one really knowing what's going on, thinking Paul doesn't have a very good track record, but things ain't good. 
The ge- yeah, we could take the gentle wind. That was not too bad, but things now. This, this is serious. Do you know what? The devil, Satan, he wants you to be beaten by this storm. He wants you to be crushed. His objective in life is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come to give life abundantly. Listen to me. His objective is to crush you in this storm. His objective is to make you feel you cannot carry on. That this violent storm is too big for you. It's too much for you to carry. It's too much for you to go on. And he tries to get us to think like that we don't have any stamina anymore. That we don't have any spiritual stamina. We don't have any perseverance. We don't have anything in us left to move on. His job is to beat you in the storm. But Jesus wants to give you life. Jesus wants to remind you that you have strength in him. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 to 10. Paul discovered this about his weaknesses. My grace, he said, is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, he says, I realize there's hardships. I realize there's difficulty. I realize my ship's going to take a big beating. I realize that life is not good sometimes. But I will boast in my weaknesses because in my weaknesses there's strength in God. It's when God shines through. God will not allow something to crush you. He'll put things upon us. He'll allow things and the enemy to come. He did it with Job. You read the book of Job. You'll see him being crushed. Things taken from him. But he was never crushed fully. He was never crushed fully. And I want to tell you today, God I believe is speaking to people here today to say to you that in your weakness, in your battering, no matter how big the storm is, no matter who says it's a big name and this is, this is the end for you, this is the destruction of you, this is not the word of the Lord. It is not. His spirit wants to speak to you today. Take your eyes off your weakness. Take your eyes off what you're looking at. Take your eyes off the things that you're taking. Paul says, I look at at the power of God. I look at Christ's strength in me. They had this violent battering. They're losing hope now. They're losing hope at this violent battering. But the next thing they do is this. If you notice in the story, they then begin to throw with their own hands, throw cargo off the side. He says, the next day, when the storm's bad, the next day they began to throw cargo off. On that boat there was grain. They were taking grain across the, the sea. They were now beginning to throw off the produce. They were beginning to throw off the valuables. They were beginning to throw off cargo, the things they were carrying, because they realized that lives were more important than grain. So the first thing they do is they chuck off the grain. But then it says the third day it gets even worse. They began to throw off the ship's tackle. The very things that function, the very ship, begin to get thrown over the side. Things are getting bad now. Because the day, the first day they throw the grain off. But now they're having to throw the very equipment that makes the boat move. They really are desperate. He says they did it with their own hands. The storm didn't take these things off the boat. The storm didn't make the cargo fall off. The storm didn't make the ship's tackle fall off. Listen, it says this. With their own hands, they threw them off. Because they knew they had to. 
to save their own lives. I believe today that you've lost hope, some people in here, because in your life the storm has hit so hard and you found that now you're having to ditch things and get things out of your life and you've lost things that were precious to you. Notice this. If you read earlier on in the story, Paul tells these people on this boat that if they stay in Crete and they don't move on, he says, if you stay in Crete, you won't lose the cargo. And you won't lose the things. But they don't listen to him. They listen to the one who's taking the boat. They don't listen to the godly man. They listen to the one who's on the boat. Paul at one point advises them that they won't lose the cargo if they listen to him. I believe that you in your life sometimes have felt that you've had the wisdom. You felt that you could have avoided the delays that are in your life. You could have avoided if people, people would have just listened to you. If people would have listened to what you had to say, you would have avoided the delays. It's times when you said, if only we do it this way, if only you listen to me, you will avoid these problems. I can see them. But people didn't listen. And now you found that you, with your own hands, have to throw valuable things off that you know could have been saved. And now you see there's a delay because you're throwing valuable stuff. You've lost time. How are you going to react? Do you get angry with the person? Right there and then I believe that Paul could have started saying, listen guys, none of you listen to me. Look at what's happened now. But he doesn't. He doesn't get angry with them. They have to throw these things. Today, maybe for you, you've lost some things. The people in your life have caused you to lose things. You've had to give up. Confidence, passion, drive. Even gifts. There are things in your life. You have gifts in your life that God has given you. These are your cargo. These are your things. God has given these things to you. And you feel in your heart that you cannot carry on with these things. You've had to throw them overboard because of people not listening. Because people have hurt you, discouraged you. And you've had to throw them overboard. Paul could have blamed them for the loss, but he remained focused. He didn't lose hope. The cargo was now being thrown, but he didn't lose hope. Some of us need to forgive others and reignite our hope. Some of us need to forgive and forget what people, when they didn't listen, when you gave them all the advice and they didn't listen, you now have had to lose things and you're delayed in your journey. Some of us need to forgive, forget. And reignite the hope again. The next thing that they found is to lose hope. They lost their sense of direction. He says this in verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. And the storm continued raging. This is what he says. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. The very thing that crushes them at the very end is this. That it says, if you read the scriptures, for 14 days, it says that the sun and the stars, they couldn't see them. In other words, there wasn't any light. This storm, these clouds, the storm was so violent that it covered up the sun and it covered up the stars. And he said, we lost all hope because we couldn't even see the sun and the stars. Listen to me this morning. Some of you today, 
you feel like you have lost a sense of direction in the storm. It's not just violently hit you. You've not just lost things, but now you're saying, I can't even see a way out. I can't see a way forward. I've got no, I don't know which way to go because for a period of time, there is no light or direction. The sun and the stars have gone. That's what crushes you because you can fight all you like. You can cling on to the cargo. You can hold on to the boat. But if you don't know where you're going and what you're doing, then you lose hope. They lost hope. They lost hope. This, this, this light that they needed, the sunlight, the starlight, the, the skies must have been black. They couldn't see. Just the other day, I got up one morning and I looked to my left and Every single day when I wake up, I look to my left and the alarm clock's always on. It tells me the time. I need an alarm clock. I need the time. I need to know what time to get up. And the other morning, I looked and the alarm clock was off. Caroline knows she lives in the same village as me. The the clock was off. I thought, there's a power cut. I wonder what time that occurred. So I get up and all that morning, I'm waiting for the power to come back on. Things, I went down, it's it's amazing, isn't it? When, When the power goes... You realize what you haven't got. I mean, internet's one thing. The Wi-Fi. You, you try things and then I'm like, okay, well, I, I can defeat this. I've got 3G on my phone, so I'll connect to my phone and then I'll bypass the Wi-Fi. I'll get internet. I'll show you. End power. I'll show you. And then I realize I've only got 20% left on my battery on my phone, so I need a power lead to power that and it just gets out of hand. So then I thought, right, I'll go make myself a cup of tea. I realized I couldn't do that, so I had to light the hob. I felt like I'd gone back to the old times. Things are so hard when you lose the power. And I went into the kitchen, and I'm now boiling a pan. But before I boiled the pan, I thought, how am I going to ignite it? The igniter doesn't work. I've got the gas, but I've got no igniter. So then I had to find a lighter. Thankfully, I had one. No, I don't smoke. It lights pans and... What I'm trying to say to you is this, that sometimes I was waiting and I was sat there and I was looking. I had a little bit of power left on my laptop to see. I was running on battery. I was running on borrowed time now. I had so many minutes left that I could work. I thought, when this goes, that's it. I've had it. I started getting Emma's laptop. I'm looking to see if there's a bit of power on that. That was dead. I thought, that's it. What am I going to do? And I looked on my phone. I had a bit of power and I saw. And I kept checking the power networks to see when do they plan to put this back on. Is there a plan? Is there a time? And it said 10 o'clock or something. Then they changed it. It went to 11. I thought, what are they doing? I've been working to 10. Now it's 11. And they kept changing it. Now it gets up towards 11 or something. It changes to 2 o'clock. I thought, what are they doing? Listen, we know that the power hasn't gone. The power is still there. But there's a problem in the connection. There is a problem that's... Just that the guys are working on and we're waiting for them to just do it and then update the website to tell us power's back on and all the lights come on in your house when you realize you've been switching everything on. We're waiting. Listen to me, it's the same for you today. That the sun and the stars that they couldn't see never vanished. God is still with you. He hasn't left you. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Even the clouds of circumstances over your lives have clouded God so much that you question whether he's actually there. But listen to me, through the 14 days that the the storm came, 
He was all, the sun and stars were always there. They never left. And some of us need to recognize today that the Son of God, the greatest light in all the world, who lights our path and orders our steps, he's never vanished. Your circumstances may have clouded him. Your circumstances may have put clouds in front of you that disguise and you think, is he there? But listen to me, you keep checking heaven's website because the power's coming back. You put your postcode in. You check your postcode. You put your name in because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And your name is registered in heaven. And when it's registered in heaven, God has got a plan for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you a hope and a future. He's not abandoned you. Amen. Amen. Psalm 18, verse 28. David understood this. He said, you keep... My lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Hallelujah. Number two today. Don't lose faith. Do not lose faith. In Acts 27, verse 22 to 25, Paul receives the word from this angel. This angel comes up, rocks up on the boat in the middle of the storm. I'll tell you what. If the clouds have, if everything's vanished and everything's gone wrong, it's then when you need a prophecy. You need the prophecy. You need the word of the Lord. And right there and then, listen, God never, he he takes us to these points, but he will never leave you or forsake you. And right there and then, when things are getting pretty tough, Paul, out of all the people on the boat, listen, the one who serves God, he receives a word of direction. This is what he gets. Acts 27 verse 23, last night an angel of of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. Imagine someone saying that. You're saying, don't be afraid. We've just thrown the whole cargo over. The grain's gone. The ship's tackle's gone. The violent storms come. Don't be afraid. What are you talking about? You try, you try getting on this boat, Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all of them who sail with you. So keep courage, he says. This is Paul. Keep courage, men, for I have faith in God. That I will, it will happen just as the angel told me. I want to tell you today, God has spoken words. He's directed you. He's given you direction. He's come through the storm. There's been points of time when you've received words. Not just words from prophets, but people have spoken to you. God has spoken to you told you, this is what I want to do in your life. There's things I want to release into your life. There's things that you you are going to Caesar. Listen, I've told you, you're going to Rome. Hear me. Some people in here today have got to go to Rome still. But your ship's feeling like it's sinking. You're going to Rome. Maybe you feel like you've received these words and they're dead in your heart. But let me tell you this. God's word never returns void. Isaiah 55 verse 10 says this to 11. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. So that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Verse 11. So is my word, says God, that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Hallelujah. In other words, the word he's spoken over your life is not going to return void. 
You might have delays. You might be finding that you can't cope. You might feel like you're losing faith. But let me tell you today that his word will not return void. It's power. It's life. Hallelujah. The word seemed impossible. It seemed like it couldn't come to pass. And that's what some of you feel like today. It's impossible. But let me tell you today, I believe that the spirit of God is speaking to people today. Like the angel did on the boat. And he said to you as you're hanging onto your seats in here thinking life's too bad for me. I can't, I can't believe this. He said to you right now by the spirit of God. The word of the Lord to you is this. That you will not drown. You will see Rome. You will see Caesar. Take my word for it says God. You're going to see your destiny come to pass. Hallelujah. God wants you to have faith and courage. Faith and courage in him. When Moses reassured the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. He said be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes before you. And he will never leave you or forsake you. Listen maybe you're saying today. I haven't heard from God. I've not heard from God. I don't, I've not heard from a prophet. I've, I've not heard God's direction in my life. In fact I'm not even a Christian. Life's bad for me. Life's a storm for me. It's bad and I haven't, I don't know about Jesus. I don't know about having Jesus on my boat. I don't know about having Jesus in my life. So I want to know about this Jesus. Listen to this. Paul, the only ones who receive direction from the Lord are the ones who serve Jesus. Jesus will come. He will heal people. Jesus will come. He will touch people. He will let them feel his presence. But listen to me. You have to surrender your life to him to get direction. You have to give him the driving seat of your life. Listen to this. Just as a little extra. In verse 23, Paul said last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. You're only going to get the angels popping up and the prophets. You're only going to get the direction from the Lord if you belong to God and if you serve Jesus. You want direction. You want this benefit of direction in the storm. You want this benefit of someone throwing you the sat-nav when it's all gone wrong from heaven. Listen to me. You cannot have it any other way. You cannot have it any other way than serve him and belong to him. Because then he will give you all the benefits. The storms of life will be still there. Jesus says there's trouble in the world, but I've overcome it. You'll still get the trouble. But you'll have the heavenly sat-nav. Amen. David wrote in Psalm 61, verses 1 to 2, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. And he says this, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David knew that. He understood that when his faith was shaken, the very foundations of his faith, he said he had a a cry to God, We cry to God, we surrender to him, and we say, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Hallelujah. Finally, last point, don't lose time. Do not lose time. In Acts chapter 27, what we read earlier in that story, Paul said this, So keep up your courage, men, 
For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Verse 26. Nevertheless. Here's the clause. New King James says, however. No one likes the however. You know, you can have this. However. Under one condition. Here's the stipulation. No one likes that. But he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, however, we must run aground on some island. I don't know if you've seen this before. But to get to Rome, it's not just surviving the shipwreck. But they've got to stop off at Malta. They've got to stop off at some island. At the moment, they have no idea what this island is. The angel did not say, you're going to stop off at Malta. Check out the beach. It's a great beach. By the way, I know things are tough, but you're going to go to Rome. But by the way, you're going to stop off at Malta. It's really nice there. And when you get there, there's going to be some great things. No. He says this, Paul. He says, we're going to have to run off. Apparently, I heard the word of the Lord say, some island. There's a clause. Why couldn't he take them there straight away? Some island. He was the final delay. Why on earth did they need to go to Malta? Why did they have to go there? Why couldn't God just take him to Rome? Listen to me. Some of you have got no idea what God's doing with your life sometimes. You ask the questions and you're saying, why? Why Malta? Why am I going here? Why am I stopping off at some island? Can't you remove the nevertheless clause? Can't you remove the however clause? Can't you take this one out, Lord? Because it'd be so much easier if we just carried on going. Don't lose time. Here's the stipulation. We must run aground on some island. Several years ago, myself and Emma, I got a, someone offered at work in, in, in my job, they offered this free trip to Paris. She said, anyone want a free trip to Paris? I'd never been. And I wanted to go to Paris. So she said, if you want it, come and take it from my desk. I thought, any time anything ever come on the bulletin board, I was straight there. Listen to me. I had the bulletin board. It was, it was on my screen more than my work. I was trying to check for the latest deals and the bargains. It was on my second screen. I had a screen. I'd, anything that came up, I'd be, yeah, I'll have that. And so I said, I, I'll come down now. Is it still there? Yes, it's on my desk. Go and help yourself. So I went down. I get this, t- this voucher. I thought, this is too good to be true. Listen to me. I'll, I'm going to tell you something before I tell this story. Things always that are too good to be true are not true. They never are, are they? It was too good to be true. Free trip to Paris, except there was not a place for Emma. It was just me. So I went home and I told her and I said, here's a small print on the voucher. It says we can buy an additional place. For something like £75. And I thought, for a four-day trip to Paris, £75. You do not get trips to Paris for £75. I said, well, let's do it. So we pay the money. We now book. I said, I phoned them up. I said, is this true? If I pay, I've got a free voucher someone's gave me. If I pay the extra, yes, yes, yes. Pay the money. Anyway, we go. and the, This is by coach, by the way. This is by coach. It's not by plane. So yeah, 75. So anyway, we get picked up in Cambridge. We get on a coach that's 14 hours or something crazy to get to Paris. I needed a two-week holiday when I got there, not three days. I was so exhausted when I got there, I didn't feel like doing anything. So we arrive in Paris. Oh, I've never been before, so I, I, I want to go to the Eiffel Tower. 
We arrive in Paris. We're driving on this highway around the outskirts, the ring road of Paris. And as we're driving on this coach and everyone's getting happy with a group of people on the bus that I, uh, there was such a of diverse people, people, oh, it was crazy. Let me tell you, this was not a nice, comfortable bus. This was a real diverse group of people. I'm not going to tell you any more than that, but by the time we got there, it was quite smelly on there and it was not nice on this coach. It was not National Express. We arrived and I see the Eiffel Tower and I said, Em, look, the Eiffel Tower, we're going. It's coming. We can go to the Eiffel Tower, we can go to Paris, we'll, we'll eat frog's legs and all these kind of things and all the things that I didn't really want to eat frog's legs, but I just wanted to tell people I had. You know, everyone wants to do that, don't you? You want to tell people when you get home what you've done, really don't want to eat them. I just want to say, I've done it. And I said, we're going to, and I'm saying, we're going to do this, this, and this. And then all of a sudden we drive past Paris. Things are getting worse now. We started to drive past Paris. We started to go and my gauge was, can I see the Eiffel Tower? If I can see the Eiffel Tower, we're going there. Slowly but surely, the Eiffel Tower began to disappear. We carried on going. It got, it got fainter and fainter until I could not see. So my next thing was this. I was clinging on for dear life as to whether I was actually going to make it to Paris. I didn't ask the bus driver. You ask Emma. We were looking saying, what's going on? Where are we going? Where are they taking us? No wonder we paid 75 pounds. Is this medical tests in Paris? So now we're driving past. The next thing I was clinging on to is not the Eiffel Tower. The next thing I was clinging on to is where's the metro signs? If the metro signs are still there, we can make it in for quite cheap because I didn't have much money. I said, we can get in if the metro, the metro signs, I kept looking at them. We went through villages, towns. I could see the metro signs. We, look, we could, I don't know where this hotel is, but look, there's a metro there. Then we kept, carried on going until eventually we started to see fields. We started to see beautiful country lanes in France to the point where there was not one metro sign in sight and we pulled into this lovely little equivalent of a travel lodge in the middle of nowhere. The Eiffel Tower had gone, I'd, I'd, I'd had a taste of it, I'd seen it from a distance, I'd seen the metro signs, now we're in this hotel, and we got to the room and the beds were like bricks. This was a terrible hotel. I felt, I can't complain because I've only paid £75. So we get up the next morning, I thought, literally, I, I would say we nearly went to tears if not. We, we thought, what is going on here? We've been tricked. Where are we going? We get up the next morning. We go down for, I thought it was going to be full English breakfast. Obviously, it was croissants. And, and we had a, a cup of coffee. And we went down to the, into the place. We had the breakfast. And then a gentleman walks in the room. And he says, thank you for being with us on this trip. Just to let you know that if you want to go to Paris, you've got to go on the bus there. You have to get a separate bus every day. And we also want to sell these things to you. And we want to sell this particular trip to see this and this. And we've been took to a place where they were basically advertising for us to get to Paris. It was just a little bit closer than Cambridge. That was the advantage. Well, we said, we don't want any trips. I was trying to work out in my mind, what's the cheapest option here in four days? So we did the bus. We got in every day. And thankfully, we had an okay time. But except for when we returned and we arrived back at the bus and, and the man was underneath the bus fixing it. This is no joke. We walked up to the bus, he's fixing it underneath. I said to him as we climbed on it, before I'm about to a 14-hour journey, and the heat was nearly 100 degrees. I said to him, what's the problem? He says, the air conditioning's broke. I went for 14 hours with Emma from France to here on 
in, in 100 degrees heat while we were in France. It was intense heat with no air conditioning. It was a great trip. It was a fantastic trip. We saw the Eiffel Tower. We went there. But let me tell you, the reason I tell you this story is because... You have been told you're going somewhere. Sometimes it feels like, well, why can't I get there straight away? And you bypass on the, you see from a distance, you see the promise, you see the Eiffel Tower, but you pass and you go past and then it gets a bit distant. You think, why? Why is there this delay? Why can't I get where I thought I was going in the time that I thought I would? Let me tell you, God will get you there. He will take you where you're supposed to go. The angel said to him, some island. I had no idea it was going to be Malta. Some island was the, another predestined delay. It was a delay that they had no idea in foreign territory. Let me tell you this, that Malta, when they arrived there, Malta was just as important as Rome. Malta was just as important as Rome. This is where we all go wrong. When we get there, they only found the destination when they arrived. It says that some people welcomed them. And it says that they showed them uh, unusual generosity. They met them. And if things don't get much worse than this, you read the story. Paul rocks up on the beach and within minutes he collects some wood for the fire and a snake bites him. I mean, you couldn't get much worse, could you? You put it into sequel, part two. You know, the snake gets him. His snake bites Paul. He's tested again. He'd have probably been thinking, Malta, I'm never coming back here again. They didn't tell me about snakes on, in the book of, to come here. They never told me about snakes. But do you know what happens? You read the story in Malta. Within moments, they make the fire. The people show them unusual generosity. Then it says this, that they meet a guy called Julius. And Julius takes them up. He's one of the chief officials on Malta. And he takes him up because his father has dysentery. And he takes him into his home. And Paul lays his hands upon his father. Julius's father. Uh, Publius, I think he's called, sorry. He lays his hands upon him. And when he lays his hands upon him, he's healed of dysentery. The next thing that happens, he says, all of the people on the island of Malta, all who were ill, all of them, came to Paul and were healed. You read it. All of them came to Paul because of this chief official taking them in that received unusual generosity. Let me tell you that God has a plan for you on the some island, the nevertheless clause. He has a he has a job for you to do in the in-between delay stage. Even though you know you might see the full fruition at Rome, he's saying, I've got some stuff for you to do in, Ro- in, in Malta, and you, if you trust me, you'll see me work through you. There'll be tests and trials there, but you will see great things. Some of us sit, sit on the beach, and we get bitten by the snakes, and we say, no, no, no. I'm going to wait till the next ship comes in. I'm not going anywhere. But he didn't. He trusted God and he was used in Malta. Let me encourage you today that Malta was just as important as Rome. Don't waste time waiting for God to do something. Waiting for the next ship to come in. Use your abilities, your gifts in unknown places. I come to a close right now. Sometime if you can just read this. But I want us to just focus to finish on this last little bit. In terms of wasting time in unforeign territory. But if you look in Psalm 137. 
you'll see a bit of scripture that says this, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And these children of Israel, Israel who were in Babylon, captured through Nebuchadnezzar at that time, and they were in this time of exile, right by, down by the river. You've heard the song, Down by the Rivers of Babylon. They said this, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while we're in a foreign land? In other words, how could they sing? How could they continue when they're in, not in the place where they've come from? How could they continue to do the things of God, to sing the praises of God, to, to use their gifts? He says they hung their harps on the trees. And the people were demanding, saying, come on, sing some of your songs that we've heard. Sing some of these songs that you have. And they couldn't. They didn't have the strength to do it. They wasted the time. They hung up their harps. Listen to me. In your trials and your circumstances and in unforeign territory, whether it's Malta, wherever it is in your life right now, I want to encourage you, don't waste time. Pick up your gifts. Don't stick your harps on the trees. And keep on worshipping. Keep on using your gifts. See the miraculous work through you. See God work through you because Rome is on its way. Number one today, don't lose hope. Number two, don't lose faith. And don't lose time. Don't lose hope. Faith or time. I believe God is speaking to some people today. His word is just like on that ship. I don't know your life circumstances. I don't know where you're at. But you do. The word of the Lord is here today to say to you. It's not my words. It's from him. The spirit of God is here to say to you. Don't lose hope. Think of Paul. And remember, he did stand before Caesar. The promise came. And he stood there to take the word of God to Rome. This week, I want to encourage you something. Because I know that the spirit of God has spoken. When I was praying about this message, I said, Lord, what, what do you want me to say? And I was in, listening to God and just trying to get the spirit of the message Rather than just the scriptures, but the spirit of what God wanted to say to the church today and the people that are here. And out of the blue, this word came to my mind and I don't know why, but this word came and it was the word blue ribboned. Blue ribboned. Well, all I remember is blue ribboned is a chocolate bar. I don't know if you remember it. Chocolate biscuit. I used to go in the cupboards when I was younger and get a blue ribbon now. So I thought, why is he telling me about a chocolate biscuit? And I said, God, what do you mean by this? And anytime God ever shows me something, I start investigating. And all week, this word, nothing more other than this, was blue ribboned. So I looked it up. And I start to do some investigating into what the word that I believe the Spirit of God was speaking through what he wanted to say in this. And he gave me... Some information. Google's fantastic. And I looked on Google. And this is what it said. Apart from a couple of links talking about a chocolate biscuit. He said this. The blue ribbon was a centuries old trophy. Later called the Hales Trophy. That was given to ships that sailed from 
I believe, Liverpool to New York, across the North Atlantic. People wanted to get the blue ribboned trophy to say that they got that. They wanted it on their boat to say that they'd done it in the fastest time to cross this difficult waters. But then I read this. He said it's, it's about speed. It's about this trophy that people would aim to get, this blue ribboned trophy that was unofficial at the time until the trophy came in later on. It was an unofficial thing. People wanted it. They wanted recognition that they could get across these tough waters to New York and back east and west. But listen to this. When you read in detail, it says this, that the trophy, the blue ribbon was awarded not just for speed as in passage of time. It was given to people not just because of passage of time, but because of their average speed. Because of all the different routes they could go through the difficult territories. In other words, one ship could have made it quicker by passage of time, but one of them could receive the award because of its endurance, reliability, to take the waters on because they'd looked at the everything and said, you've took this difficult course through the Gulf. You've took this difficult part where there's tough territory. Therefore, we're looking at the average time, not the passage of time. Some of you today are looking at that God is not taking you or giving you your reward. He's not giving you what you think you deserve or what you need, that promise, that blue ribbon award. Because you are looking at the passage of time. You've seen other ships fly past and thought they, they're going quicker. But everything is took into consideration in that award. Not just the passage of time, but re- reliability, perseverance through difficult parts, the route that the boot, the boat took. I want to encourage you today. I believe that God wants to speak to some people to say this very thing. Spiritually, your blue ribboned, the unofficial award that not many people know about, is on its way from heaven to you. And it's going to be a challenge. Things have been a challenge. You may have seen some other boats flying past you thinking they've got far more power than I have. But they haven't took the same route as you. They've not took the difficult path. They've not hit the storms. Therefore, everything is took into consideration. That is the word of the Lord to you today. That God wants to remind you today that he knows everything about the journey. Not just how quick you can get there. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye